The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Uh, turn in your copy of God's Word to Romans 8, 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. You ready for it, church? That's right. That's good. Hey, this is our fifth of the six of the rock-solid promises in uncertain times. The whole purpose of this series has been to take us to these passages that we cherish and to make sure our feet are set solidly in their truths, to make sure that our minds are settled on these matters, to bask in the glory of who God is and what he has promised to us. See, when everything else crashes around us, it is these promises that are unmoved. And why? Because God is unmoved. And so when the things are crashing around us, one of the most common attacks then of our enemy, the accuser Satan, that he hits us with is to get us to doubt that we are loved. He deceives us into thinking that we haven't earned it or deserved it and while there's truth to that he takes our attention away from the things that are most important he distorts reality he deceives us and distracts us and makes us think well if only they knew who you really were if only that person if only god knew God won't love you now. And all kinds of other accusations, all kinds of condemnations come into our mind. And if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, if we aren't set firmly on this promise, then we can even begin to harden ourselves to think, well, I don't need it. I don't need the love of God. I'm good on my own. I don't need the love of my spouse or any other friend. I'm good. And yet to all these doubts, all these discouragements, all these deceptions, all of these distortions, God promises us this. You ready for it? If you're taking notes, write this down and never forget it. God promises security in his love. Let me say that again. God promises security in his love. And this promise is embedded in the granite of our passage today. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Let me read it for us now so you can see it for all its beauty. It says this, Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And to that we all say, amen. 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 This is God's word for God's people. You see there embedded, do you see the promise, church? 
Do you see the promise that we are secure in his love? And this, uh, this argument, this question really comes on the heels of multiple other questions and the promise of glory that Paul has already described to us in, in verse 30. It's something that we, we didn't cover. We kind of referenced it last week. But it, this promise of glory that we will be with God forever is as good as done. And so in order to understand the the promise here, let us just back up and and understand a bit of the context here from where we left off last week. We saw that there's significance in our circumstances. We see what God is doing, that he is conforming us to the image of his son. And in that uh, passage, in those verses there, we see this scope of salvation that begins with God and ends with God, that begins with him foreknowing us and predestining and calling and justifying, and then look in verse uh, 30, also glorifying. And it's as good as done, even though it is something yet future, for we who are still alive, that it is as good as done. And to this promise of glory, then, Paul addresses four questions, four rebuttals, if you will, about just how secure We are in the love of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 31, he's like, well, what shall we say to these things? And he begins to ask these questions. Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? uh, Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who can then condemn us? And then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so what Paul is doing here, he's saying, hey, there is no successful opposition against you. There is no successful accusation against God's beloved. There is no successful condemnation against the children of God in church. There is no successful attempt at separation. Try as one might, they will always be unsuccessful. And so in our passage here then, who can separate us from the love of Christ, where we're really focusing in today. You heard me just read, you saw it there for yourself. He has two lists, one of visible threats, and then again of invisible or unseen threats. And so how do we then own this promise? As we think about what does it mean that we are secure in his love? How do we own this? How do we live this out? Well, let's look at the passage a little closely, and here's our first point. Banish your insecurities. How do we own this? We banish our insecurities. We kick them out. We put them behind us, and we can kick them out when we know what the security plan is. When we know what the threats are, we can banish them. We can avoid them. And so Paul then begins to list these things out in really kind of big overarching terms to show the breadth and the depth of the security that Christ won for us. And so look with me at this first list of insecurities here. Look with me at these visible threats. And what does he begin with? I want you to catch this. He says, who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then what follows there? Is it a list of people? Who shall separate us? Uh, uh, Can our spouse, can our enemy, can our opposition, our kids, coworkers? Does he list whose? No, it's actually very interesting. He lists what? He asks the question, and then, and then he lists these, these, these things, not these persons. And so what's he getting at there? Well, I think he could be referring to the enemy who's behind him. But sometimes also in our troubles, don't we personify them a little bit? 
when we refer to, you know, opposition or trials or tribulations that we're going through, sometimes we give them names or we, we personify them as if they are an actual person who is threatening us. But here, he begins to cover many things, these visible threats. Look what he, look, let's just kind of take them here in order a little bit. To these tribulations are really those things that crush us, that press us down, the distresses. It's, it's literally to be like confined in a narrow space when you feel trapped. You ever been in a situation where you feel trapped? Relationship, a job, uh, uh, something where, where, where it is causing you distress, persecution is when we are harmed for our faith. Sometimes we use that uh, a little too uh, liberally and we say, I'm being persecuted. Well, persecution is specifically when we are being harmed because we follow Christ. Famine, I think we all know what that means when we lack food, nakedness. Here, now that's not, he's not referring to like the nightmares that we all have at the, you know, in the middle of the night when we show up to work or at school or something and we don't have any clothes on. I think what he's really referring to here is uh, extreme financial hardship where you don't have anything, they can't even afford clothes to cover your body. Danger is the general risks of life, the things that we all face every day when we get in our car and drive somewhere, or around people, just the general risks of life, and when he refers to sword, it's murder, potentially even martyrdom, a reality for uh, the original Roman readers who faced death for being a Christian. And he, he goes then in verse 36, he, he quotes from Psalm 44. Do you see what he, he says here? He says, for your sake you're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. What he's pointing out here is expect to suffer. Like what is normal in the Christian life is to face this type of persecution. And this has always been the case. From Old Testament times, God's people uh, have always face the reality of dangers. And this idea that we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, this is a good term for us. We are under the good, great shepherd, right, church? But let us not forget that our enemy also views us as sheep in a very different way. Sheep to be killed, to be isolated, to attacked. And in order to prove just how strong God's love is, he, he lists a whole second list then in verses 38 and 39. Did you see it here? He's saying all the visible things that may cause you uh, stress, that cause you to worry and to be anxious and apprehensive, but there's also a second list of threats, those that are invisible, and he lists them really in couplets. Death nor life, did you see that really? The totality of our human existence, angels nor rulers or, or, or demons. See, the whole force of, uh, of the spiritual realm cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Angels won't and demons can't things present nor things to come, really the totality of all of our circumstances. Nor powers, this guy's lonely, he doesn't have a pair here, but it's every authority under heaven and earth. Height nor depth, the totality of the universe, from the skies above to the seas below, there is no natural disaster, nothing that we fear would harm or threaten the love of God being poured out to us, nor anything, how does he end it, nor anything in all creation. That's kind of a blanket statement. What else can you think of? Fill in the blank. Is something threatening your experience of the love of God? And of the strength of God's love, how does he begin verse 38? For I am sure, convinced, he is certain that nothing can separate him from the love of Christ. Are you sure? 
Are you sure this morning? For this is the reality of the gospel, that we have been uh, covered by Christ, that our sin has been atoned for, and now we experience the love of Christ. And once you know the gospel, once you know the love of Christ, the most important thing you should know next is that it can never be taken away. Now, I've just worked my way through this list. You're like, wow, that was just a quick blitz of this entire passage here. And I did so to just give us the, the, the breadth of all the threats that exist out there. But, you know, here, all these threats, he, he uses these, this term like uh, to, uh, to pry us, to separate us. And I began to think like these things are, are like the crowbars of life. You ever thought this? Malachi helped me with uh, my sermon prep this week. Good. Did some cutting, some painting, some you know screwing and drilling and all these things. He, he helped me with it. It's pretty good, huh? But as I began to think about this passage and all the threats, they are uh, oftentimes like the crowbars of life, the, the pry bars that would seek to separate us from the love of Christ. And when we are saved, you have Christ and you have us, and, and, and he brings us together. And so things like COVID-19, they come in and they try, to, they try to get in and wedge us apart to separate us, to get us to doubt God's love, to, to, to try to pry us apart. And guess what? Unsuccessful, church. The threats of our opposition, our enemies, those that would uh, make fun of us for following Christ. And he tries to, they, to try to get in there and the enemy tries to use it and to separate it. Unsuccessful. And he comes over here and we, we, we lose our job and, and, and he tries to get us to doubt that God loves us and he tries to pry us apart. Unsuccessful. And he throws out, he says, well, this one won't work, so we get the big daddy in. Someone you know, uh, someone that's dear to you, abandons you or, 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 or dies and tries to jump it in there and pry and to separate us. Unsuccessful. There is nothing in the totality of your human experience and existence that can separate us. There's no crowbar that the enemy could throw your way that would threaten the strength of Jesus Christ. See, see the bond here, the, 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 the connection, how we are held together is not based in our love. It's not just some simple glue, even though this is true of we who love, but we are held together by the same nails that held Christ on the cross. There's no crowbar that would pry him off of that cross. It is nails that hold it fast. It is the strength of the entire universe that hold us fast. Nothing can pry us loose. Nothing, as John 10, can snatch us out of his hands. He's built on sacrifice, on his love. And how do we define love around here? We've been talking about it a lot. We see it in the passage. How do we define love? Well, real simply, we can define it in three words. You before me. You remember that definition? Love can be simply defined as you before me. As we show love to someone, we are always saying that I am putting your interest before my own. You before me. And if we want to get real simple, what's a one-word definition of love? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
more than lovey-dovey feelings, more than, you know, being Twitter-pated, more than all the, the, the nice things that we feel. Love, very simply defined, is this sacrifice. And laying down our life, our preferences, our convictions, our, our uh, desires for the benefit and the sake of another person. And when we think of Christ and his love for us, there is nothing more secure. There is no more greater example of the love of Christ than his sacrifice on the cross. The problem is, is that we are insecure. We know how fickle we are, and our enemy knows how fickle we are. We know how limited our love is, and he knows how limited our love is. And we, we, we desire to give and receive unconditional love, something that we talk about often as believers, and yet we look for it in all the wrong places can't look for it uh, from my wife or from my kids or in my job. It is a burden they cannot bear. It is a responsibility that somebody else can't carry. And to recognize this doesn't push us away from somebody else. It actually just uh, frees us up to draw me in because I now have the right expectation. I'm imperfect in my love and everything else that is created is imperfect in its expressions of love as well and yet the gospel teaches us that we can forgive that we understand one another that the true source the model the security of love is found only in the love of christ while we are being sanctified by the love of our spouse and our kids and our friends and so you see church like genuine confidence And Christ's love leads us deeper in, not farther away. Genuine confidence in Christ's love leads us deeper in, not farther away. See, it is is a misunderstanding of the strength and security of God's love, a misunderstanding of grace when we use it to to push Christ away uh, as an excuse to continue in our sin. For we do not understand it then. It draws us greater in. The more confident I am in my wife's love for me, the more I want to know her, the more I want to experience it, not less. I wouldn't go looking for it elsewhere when I know her love. That would be unthinkable. But yet it draws me in. The same with the love of God as we know how secure we are in his love. It draws us in and it banishes, it pushes away our insecurity. See, the closer we are to Christ, the further our insecurities are banished. And then what, here's the thing, in God's wisdom, God's providence, the same things that we're attempting to pry us away from God's love actually become God's means for drawing us closer to him. See, as, as maybe he gets it in there and he wedges this side and this side gets to, comes up closer than the other side is actually pressed in deeper, closer, more, uh, more together with Christ. And so it's God actually working out our tribulations, our distresses, these invisible threats for our good. See, church, we are secure in his love. We are secure and we can banish then our insecurities. And here's our final point, to let love conquer. 
When we understand the security of our love with Christ, we banish our insecurities and then we let love conquer. Now, earlier I covered uh, the majority of verses and you might have been thinking, wait, did he skip a verse? Anybody think that as I was working through? Which verse did I skip? Verse 37, it sits really uh, between our list right at the middle of the bullseye. You see this here, that in all things here, verse 37, and all these things and then all around it are the, the lists of that, uh, that, he, that he puts out here for us. And right at the middle, he's saying, no, here in all things we are defeated. In all things we get beat down. What does it say? No, in all these things we are what? We are more than conquerors. We are literally super conquerors. So much so it's like we've won and we have energy to spare. It was an easy victory that we, we entered the game and we won by such a margin that we didn't even break a sweat. That against all of these enemies, against all of these doubts, against all of these attempts to separate us from the love of Christ, no, we are super conquerors, more than conquerors. I can just imagine some of you are thinking to yourself, well, it sure don't feel that way. If you knew what I was walking through right now, if you knew the level of stress that I was feeling, if you knew the reality of famine that is at my door, if you knew the dangers that I was experiencing, beat up, I'm worn out. Sure doesn't feel like victory. Don't miss how the how that verse then ends. We are more than conquerors through our own strength, through our own prayers, through what? Through whom? Through him who loved us. See, the victory was won by Christ. For him, all of these things are no match and we are covered by we are conquerors because Christ has conquered. We, all these threats are mitigated, are banished because Christ has won. All attempts to separate us are unsuccessful. And thus we live then in the conquering power of Christ's love, both in our life, in our mind, and on mission. See, this, this promise as we live, as we let love conquer, this is a promise to own on the darkest of days. When, when, when everything else around us is, is, is leading us to despair, when our thoughts are becoming too much, when COVID is becoming a burden that is too much to bear, a, a dark cloud over everything that we can see, no, it is God's love that shines brightest in the darkness. It is here that we come and we cling to this reality that I am secure in the love of Christ and even things like a pandemic cannot separate is a promise to own on the deepest of days when our sin is heavy when our struggles are entangling us and and dragging us down the love of God becomes like a life jacket that brings us to the surface to where we we turn from our sin and its enticements and the things that we may love about it and we see the glory of God's love and it brings us to the surface But not only is this a promise to own on the darkest of days or the deepest of days, but also on our most delightful of days. 
So we come to the love of Christ and we, we see it expressed on our best days and where we can tell the Lord, thank you for this great gift. Thank you for the gift of my spouse. Thank you for the gift of these children. Thank you for whatever it may be. This is an expression of your love and even still, your love is greater than this gift. Even still, the hope that I have of glory, of eternity with you, uh, makes the, the best of these days pale in comparison. What we've been talking about, what this passage is explaining for us is the doctrine of grace known as the perseverance of the saints or eternal security that our salvation begins and ends with God that all who persevere to the end will be saved and all who are saved will persevere to the end. And nothing can pry us away from that. We see the fierce, possessive love of God even in, in little girls with their favorite doll. They love those things. They, they cling to it and not even a big brother, not even a parent, not even uh, the enticements of, uh, of candy or food or TV or anything can pry that doll from her hands. And nothing ever will. If Romans 8, 29 through 30 teaches us anything, it's that we are secure, that once we are in this pathway, we are then perfectly and completely loved by the God of the universe right now. Nothing you do today, none of your responses to COVID will either increase it or decrease it. See, our love, the love of God isn't like karma. You know, that we have to do all these things in order to keep God loving us, in order to keep his favor, in order to keep his blessing. No, we, we don't think that way because we are already fully and completely loved by God. It is an extravagant, unconditional gift given to us and one that we have to remind ourselves often, daily, regularly. See, this is a promise to rehearse, to conquer any sort of doubt, discouragement, deceptions, dis distortions that our enemy may throw our way. We let love conquer in our own minds, but also then on mission. See, it is the same love then that compels us, that commissions us on mission to share the same message of love with those around us, to do acts of service in love just simply because we are loved people. We can love those around us. And this is why we tell one another, you are loved. You seen that around? Seen it on our signs? seen emails closed this way. This isn't just some trite, cutesy saying. This isn't something that makes us feel good about ourselves. It is a rock-solid reminder. It is a truth to rehearse. It is something that if we just woke up every day understanding what we mean when we say you are loved, that it isn't just some uh, horizontal expression of affection for another person but that it is rich with meaning, brimming over with truth. is bringing us back to the promise that is found in these verses that we are secure in God's love for us. And so when we say, you are loved, we're not just merely saying, well, I love you, or I love what you do for me. 
We are making a theological declaration that is so deep, so rich, that as I began to put a list together this week, it just kept being added to. And I suppose if I set my mind to it for the rest of eternity, the list would continue to grow every single day. And so as we come to the conclusion here, as we come to own this promise, I just want us to think about some of these things. That when we say, you are loved, here is what we are saying. And I'm just gonna read a bunch of statements here. I'll email them out. We'll put these things out if you care to have these and rehearse these before you. But as we close here, when we say, you are loved, this is what we are saying. God chose me. Christ died for me. The Spirit lives in me. Christ is praying for me. The Spirit is praying for me. Nothing I do makes him love me more. Nothing I do makes him love me less. Nothing can happen to me that would pry us apart. He is proud of me. God is pleased with me. Christ sympathizes with my weaknesses. God gave me everything I need for life and godliness. God gave me purpose. My sin doesn't count against me. Christ's perfection is counted towards me. God feels no wrath towards me. I am fully forgiven. I am welcomed without judgment. I can't be cast out. I belong. I've been set free from my sin. God has answers for my doubts. God has hope for my discouragement. God has faith for my fears. God does not wish I was someone else. God won't quit on me. God won't abandon me. Church, you are loved. And when we say you are loved, these are just a, a, a sampling of the depth of what we mean when we say you are loved. Redemption, God promises security in his love, and so let's own it. Let's take a minute just to pray and then let's sing to him in praise for it. Father in heaven, here we are, basking in the glory and the beauty of Christ's love for us. It's something that we can't really fully comprehend. And yet, Lord, we, we want to experience it, and we've, we've seen it so many times. So even as, God, even as these words, as they nourish our soul, as they uh, uh, renew our mind, would you help us, God? Not just today, not just this week, but to be a people who walk securely, firmly, convinced that nothing could come our way that would separate us from your love. What a simple but profound truth, God. One that we need your spirit to help us live in light of. God, so receive our praise now as we sing to you. We pray in Christ's name, amen.